Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So GoFundMe, you know, the platform that people utilize to raise money for whatever their cause celeb is, they got some pretty interesting rules. I mean, they've got some pretty unique rules over there at GoFundMe, and, and you could think that they're, well, they're standard and they apply to everybody. It always seems that the people they kick off are people on the political right. People who fly in the face of what progressive laws, theories, ideas, uh, cultural wants, I should really say, because I shouldn't say laws, uh, are all about. GoFundMe has a rule. And the rule is, is that they explicitly prohibit campaigns that raise money to cover the legal defense of anyone formally charged with an alleged violent crime. Consistent with this long-standing policy, any, fund that, any fundraising campaigns for the legal defense of someone charged with murder are removed from our platform. I'm sorry, what? Well, in order to explain this, I gotta tell the story of George Kelly. Me, I'm Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you, find everything, Tony Katz. Dot locals.com. George Kelly is a rancher in Arizona. He's 73 years old. The Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office announced earlier this week that Kelly was arrested and charged with first degree murder in connection to a shooting that took place on January 30th of a man that authorities say is a 48 year old by the name of Gabriel Quinn Butima or Budimia, B-U-T-I-M-E-A. That's all based on the Mexican voter registration card he carried. And the shooting took place on a cattle ranch that George Kelly operates with his wife near Nogales, Arizona, which is right there on the U.S.-Mexico border. So this guy is being charged with murder, and he has a $1 million bond. One million dollars. What? Why? He's 73. He works the ranch. He's a flight risk or something? Huh. Now, you say to me, well, what? He can't have a bond? Well, at first, I thought we opposed the whole system. I thought it was all uh, bigoted and it was all, you know, geared at letting rich people, you know, uh, be able to have uh, all the flexibility and poor people get screwed. I, I thought I thought that's why people fought bail and, and things like that. But we know people who have done horrific things. And they, don't even, they don't even get bail. As a matter of fact, they, you don't even have charges. George Kelly appears in front of a judge and says, hey, my wife is by herself. No way to take care of her, the livestock, or the ranch. But I can't come up with a million dollars. And they're like, well, too bad. Too bad for you. So the question is, was this guy, Budamia, in the country illegally? What happened that led to the shooting? As has been described... The Santa Cruz chief deputy, Gerardo Castillo, has declined to comment on Budimia's immigration status. Budimia is the guy who was shot by George Kelly. 
It hasn't yet been confirmed. What was this guy doing that caused the shots to be fired? Well, we got to find out. But federal court records, according to the Daily Mail, show that this guy, Budamia, had a history of illegal border crossings and deportations in and around Nogales with the most recent documented documented case in 2016. So the guy that got shot and killed has a long history of not giving a good holy damn about the law, nor American sovereignty. This isn't somebody I feel the need to take care of. I don't want them to have any access to the money of Americans. I don't want them to have a bed. We should be a little picky in who we let into the country because there are some people who desperately need to get into the country. They're actual refugees. And I'm, I'm down. I am down with helping actual refugees, people who can't go back home again, people who, uh, political asylum, things like that. Not people just coming across the border for work. They're not refugees. And all those NGOs, those non-governmental organizations, as I've discussed, and others who teach people to lie, claim this, claim that, you deserve this, you demand this benefit. Uh, they're, they are all guilty, as I see it, of aiding and abetting the destruction of the nation. They should absolutely be moved right out. Saying that you are a, a refugee seeking asylum when you're a migrant looking for a job should be disqualifying. If you say that and you lie, you don't get to come into the country. And again, these groups that push for this lying because they don't really care, they don't care. I don't know how they think the country is going to survive without the country, but uh, they haven't figured that part out. They haven't, they haven't worked that far ahead. Citing a dispatch report, according to the reporting, uh, that from the, uh, a paper called the Nogales International, the sheriff's office received a call about 2.40 in the afternoon on January 30th from uh, Customs and Border Patrol agents relaying details of a possible active shooter in that area so there's this caller who identifies himself as alan which is weird because that's george kelly's middle name and described a group of people running unsure if he was getting shot at as well so that was at like 240 at 550 so this is three hours later sheriff's deputies get reports about shots fired at the property at 642 Again, an hour after that, authorities recovered the body of a deceased Hispanic male and said no weapons on him at the time. Investigators, and I love the way this gets written, investigators reportedly collected two assault-style rifles from Kelly's property to determine if either was used in the shooting. Assault-style rifles. Uh, It's embarrassing the way people write about guns embarrassing now this guy's neighbor george kelly's neighbor said it isn't unusual to see migrants crossing the border and entering the town and that this guy budamia lived just south of the border in agalas mexico so what he just comes over and says hello has coffee what what is the what is the story 
So people wanted to help this guy, George Kelly, because, well, why should he spend any time in jail for a million-dollar bond? The guy's not a flight risk. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So they want they want to help him. GoFundMe takes down the, the, the fundraising opportunity. Are they in the right or are they in the wrong? Well, we'd have to go look at the kinds of things that they do support to then ask the question of whether or not they're wrong to take this down. Their argument is, look, this guy is uh, being alleged of of killing somebody. We don't raise money. We don't help people uh, create a platform to gather funds for people accused of such things. Well, I could also argue we don't know the whole of the story. You are reacting on half of a story. We don't know the whole of the story. I, I don't I don't know if on this one I'm completely angry at GoFundMe because they can at least make an argument. I think what I'm angry about is why is this guy have a million dollar bond? Tony, he killed somebody. No, allegedly he killed somebody. What we really need to understand is why does it do us any good that he isn't able to work his ranch? How does it help anybody that he, while he is innocent until proven guilty, isn't able to go about, well, doing these things? Is there a history about him? See, we know about this guy, Budimia, uh, illegal border crossings, and we may find out much, much more. Is there a story about him? Is there a story about him that would make us say, oh, yeah, oh, he's got a history. He's got himself a hothead. Oh, you know, he's done some things. You know, he got accused here. You know, he got tried there. You know, maybe. I find this story fascinating because this should hit those um, no bail people right in the fields. Here's a guy who can't take care of his wife now, can't take care of his ranch now because of some million dollar bond because some judge decided I've got to make an example or this is how we show we're we're strong about these things. Is the guy a flight risk? From Nogales? The only place he's a flight risk to is Nogales, Mexico. He's not a flight risk from Arizona. He's not going to then all of a sudden end up in Minnesota one day. I'm not condoning the action. I am an innocent until proven guilty guy. I'm not condoning the action because I don't have enough information to understand it. Am I going to somehow find this was self-defense? Am I going to find that George Kelly targeted this guy? I don't know. I'm curious about the million dollars even more than the GoFundMe side. You know, any of those platforms. Does it make sense? And if it does make sense to you, what about those people who keep fighting bail and fighting these kinds of things? This is wrong. This is terrible. Where are they in support of him? Will we hear support from him? And will they then apply pressure on GoFundMe to allow the fundraiser to continue? There might be a lot more about this story. I'm sure. I'm sure there's more out there, and I just haven't seen it yet. And and I'll, I'll get into it next week as well, and I'll keep my eye on it. But I love when people go out there and they 
they they they make a, a claim of of their purity and make a claim of their important intentions and, and they, they've got an airtight case. Does this guy deserve a million dollar bond? He's allegedly shot and killed an illegal immigrant who has a, a history of, of uh, unapproved border crossings. Does what happened here and the victim mean that those people who claim to be all about bail reform and no cash bail and this, that, and the other all are all of a sudden like, well, I can't, can't really talk about that case specifically. That's the part that fascinates me. I'm Tony Katz. I didn't mean to do two, well, basically immigration stories in, in a row. That that That's bad uh, show setup, everybody. That's that's really bad stuff. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. And it's true. When you, when you take a look, when you're on my side of the microphone, and you take a look at the hour, you're like, how do you, how do you break this up? How do you, how do you make this work? How do you put this together? And how do you get balance? Balance within a, a what we call a segment, right? Balance within a half an hour and balance within the full hour and then balance within the show. That's, that's how you approach it. And to do two segments of the same type, it's, it's not good balance. However, allow me to create a theme. See, that's how you, that's how you get around it. That's, that, that's, that's called fixing it in post right there. It's the story about 114 Haitian migrants who arrived in the Florida Keys. News Nation has the story, newsnationnow.com. Border Patrol and law enforcement responded uh, to the site just south of Key Largo. This is in, in, in the Florida Keys. Some 114 Haitians were on board a handmade vessel that traveled approximately 700 miles. They are, I'm staring at a picture of a boat, not specifically the boat, a boat that has been used from Cuba, people trying to escape to the United States. It is basically a garbage can with sides. You, you know, I was going to use the expression, you wouldn't be caught dead on that boat, but actually the odds are if you were on that boat, you would only be caught dead, literally actually dead because you weren't going to survive any kind of travel. It's not a boat. That's not a boat. That's scrap metal that just happens to float. And 114 Haitians, 700 miles. You can't travel 55 miles with your kids without two iPads and a DVD player going and snacks. Lord forbid you don't have snacks and the right kind of snacks. You know, the gluten-free ones. And these people traveled 700 miles in what could kindly be described as a hunk of tin. Now, let's not kid ourselves about some things going on here. The lies told to people, oh, we can get you out of the country. Oh, we can get you to America. Oh, we can do this. The smugglers, when we discuss uh, those who bring people up through Mexico, coyotes is the expression used. These are awful people involved in human trafficking, in child smuggling, in, in child sex trafficking. These are evil people. And anything you did to those people, I wouldn't say a word. They deserve it. Yes, do I believe uh, in, in due process? Absolutely. For American citizens, 
for child smugglers in Mexico? Ooh. I should say I believe in due process for all. But man, that stuff is so sick, so nasty, makes me so disgusted. Sometimes, sometimes civility goes right out the window. But 114 Haitians on a handmade boat traveling 700 miles should make you stop. It should make you stop where you are. Say it again, wherever you are right now. Say that to yourself. 114 people on a boat that is being, it's generous to call it a boat, traveling 700 miles. I wonder how many days that took. Days and nights. And where did they go to the bathroom? There, uh, no plumbing on the handmade vessel. What did they eat? How old were they? And what were their health conditions? Take a moment. When we talk about immigration issues, we are not wrong to note that there are people absolutely pouring into the country who are of fine health and of fine standing who can go and fight to make their country better. And certainly there are those people who are looking for a better life. We don't deny this. What we state is we have rules and we demand that they be followed. What is it like to be so terrorized by where you live for whatever the reason, like you would be in Haiti? Haiti is a country that's never gotten it together. Haiti is a country uh, that the Clintons claim to care about, but they like to keep the money. Look, 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 follow the money with the Clinton Global Initiative and you work on that and get back to me. That they thought the rational course was to get on that boat. Did they not know how far away Haiti was from the United States? Did they not know how rickety the boat was? Were they lied to and they were just so ill-informed and, and so unable to comprehend that they were like, oh, this is going to be easy. They bought into the lies. You mean after all these years, they bought into the lies? Or did they buy into the lies because it was worth the risk? I don't ever want to be a person who denies the real humanity that we're dealing with when we talk about the border. But in the same breath, I don't want anybody to ever forget that 114 Haitians were willing to ride basically on a couple of layers of tinfoil pressed together to get to the United States because that's the better place to be. When they castigate the United States, when they attack the United States, whether we're talking about the UN folk or we're talking about the progressive folk, we're talking about the media folk or the cultural folk, when they attack us, remember that 114 people risked everything to get here and by some stroke of luck, they landed in the Florida Keys. America is still the only example America is still the promised land. It is. Not because I say so. Not because Republicans say so or conservatives say so. But because 114 Haitians said so. I'm Tony Katz.
You have got the Philadelphia Eagles. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs. They call it the big game, people, or at least that's what they call it if they don't want to get sued. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.51075. The fan, he is the voice of sports in Indiana, ranked number 11 in the top 20 of afternoon drive programs across the country. I believe he was robbed. And I'm going to say, and I mean it, racism. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 uh, my take. I wait, I, I, I want to talk. I want to talk NFL. I really do. Uh, but first, uh, two things. Um, yeah. Uh, Purdue uh, taking out Iowa, uh, still being number one after the loss to IU. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it does because the rest of college basketball also is is kind of right there. It's not like anybody had really stepped up over the course of the weekend, whether it was, you know, Houston or uh, you know any of these other two. Alabama has been kind of a uh, a slow decline. Kansas has been on a bit of a slow decline. So nobody really totally stepped up in that capacity to take over that number one spot. And I think also that's recognition to IU because of the way that they played and because of the venue in which they played in and how difficult it is to win at Simon Scott Assembly Hall when it's certainly hiked up, juiced up to the point to where it was on late Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening. So I think there was a tip of the cap to that venue, the IU team, and then obviously just right now the rest of college basketball is is still falling behind and getting in line to Purdue Boilermakers regardless of that law last week. So you've got uh, IU uh, defeating Rutgers and and Trace Jackson Davis making uh, a a serious statement, I thought, in in that game. And then, of course, you have uh, the IU women, which are just uh, crushing. Uh, But staying with basketball, just moving it to the NBA, this trade that sends Durant to the Suns brings George Hill back to the Pacers. Your thoughts? I, the, the part about George Hill, I don't understand. And, and to get everybody updated, I'm sure that uh, you probably had hit that a little bit earlier, too. Uh, the Pacers were involved in a three-team deal yesterday at the NBA trade deadline. And as a part of that three-team deal, I, I think the epicenter of it, Tony, was the fact that the Bucks wanted Jay Crowder. They ended up getting Jay Crowder. You had to get other teams involved contractually, monetarily, make this trade work out under NBA standards, which are way too long to go into right now. But as it stood, Jordan Nawara is a player out of Louisville, is a six foot eight guy that likes to shoot to three, that they liked in Milwaukee a great deal, but just was not getting the minutes and was getting kind of squeezed out. They're in a win now, once again mentality, and he was expendable. So the Pacers kind of stepped in and took on Jordan Nawara. Uh, we'll see if he fits in. We'll see if he fits in longer term with him. I didn't mind that whatsoever. Now, the George Hill thing's a little bit different because you don't want George Hill at the age of 37 taking away minutes from younger guys. And as of the last week, Tony, that has been a little bit of the argument regarding what Rick Carlisle, the Pacers head coach, has been doing. Why, for example, Nick Matherin only got 13 minutes the other night on that, that road loss in Miami. In the past four games, Matherin's only played an average of 22.8 when in the six prior games he played on an average of 33-plus minutes a game. We're wondering that because they believe that that's going to help stunt the development of the younger players. Um, We'll see. I don't need to see George Hill play too much. I don't know how much of a story it is. He is a local guy, and I guess it's okay to see him come back. But you can't see him on the court at the expense of guys that are younger that are going to be the future. 
So when a trade like this happens, it's you know I I think as I understood it, there were also some some draft picks that that were picked up. Is, yeah. is this about a, a future build thing? Hey, we'll help you out with this cap space, but we get this for our future. That's what took place here. No, Tony, it's kind of funny. At a trade deadline, you get teams, and, and most of the time, they're defined as a buyer or a seller, which means if you're a buyer, that you're in it, you believe you can win, you believe you can challenge at a high level in the postseason. If you're a seller, then a lot of people would describe that as being this pacer team. But I kind of went off base. I call them a builder. I thought if you found anything on the open market there that was available that you thought could help be a part of this build in the now and in the future – then go ahead and do it, especially if it fit in. And Jordan Noir is a guy, Tony, that had been ex- extended by Milwaukee. They liked what he brought to the table. Six points per game, 39% from three-point range. That's obviously something that the Pacers would like to see if that works out with this group. And, and really what it comes down to is you take a flyer on somebody that could work out, that's great. If it doesn't, then uh, no harm, no foul. And then in the process, Tony, we also want to mention that they had to cut three players. Uh, They cut Goga Bataze. They cut Terry Taylor. And then they also cut James Johnson. We'll see if the veteran James Johnson comes back. And, you know, a part of that deal was Serge Ibaka, a guy that hasn't played basically since the beginning of January and really only once or twice going all the way back to Thanksgiving. I don't think he's going to play a minute here as well. He, along with George Hill, was a part of that three-team deal. We'll see. But there's a lot of bells and whistles going with this. But concentrate on Jordan Nawara because that is a guy they're taking a flyer on. They believe that he could be a part of this team's mold moving forward. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan, right here in Indianapolis, the voice of Indiana sports. I'm taking a look at the big game. Don't want to get sued, JMV. The big game (laughs) is what the kids uh, call it. Here is Caesar Sportsbook with the odds. They've got it as Philadelphia at one and a half with the over-under at 51 points. You see Philadelphia as the stronger team over Kansas City? I don't. I don't. I I think this is going to come down to a couple things. We'll watch it. What defensive coordinator of Kansas City Steve Spagnolo is able to do against Jalen Hurts. If you remember Tony, just going back to midseason, the Colts were in that game with Philly. Actually, the Colts had a great opportunity to win that game had they made a play or two, and obviously they didn't when Jeff Saturday took over more times than not, but they had an opportunity to win, and if you force Jalen Hurts into throwing the football, and if you take away just the run, which has been such a huge part of this Eagles team, then I think obviously Kansas City can be in the driver's seat, not to mention the fact if Kansas City gets on a roll with their offense, they're certainly going to be in the driver's seat. So, yeah, I look at that number. I agree with you, too. That's I'm a little bit skeptical about that number. They're sitting here right now. I would take Kansas City 31-28, 31-27, something like that, because I think Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, will scheme something up to control better than other teams have the running attack and then the ultimate rushing attack Jalen Hurts brings to the table offensively from the Eagles. Talk to me about his injury, Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, and whether or not you think, based on your uh, view of what, what you've seen of him uh, as, as they go through getting ready, preparations, uh, is he back at 100%? No, and that's something else, Tony, you can be skeptical about. Seriously, that's why you look at that number and you kind of go, all right, so if, if they do, if Kansas City's able to take away any facet of that running game, you know, is 
Jalen Hurts going to be able to throw it. There's no doubt he's got one of the premier pass catchers of the NFL to throw it to an A.J. Brown. But I guess it's the same kind of way you look at Patrick Mahomes coming off that injury to see if he's going to be near 100%. I think Andy Reid has mentioned that he's not going to be, as most guys aren't in the NFL this time of year anyway, 100%. But I think Patrick Mahomes at that level, at that percentage, is going to be better than Jalen Hurts dealing with what he's dealing with because, again, I think Kansas City is going to be able to take away a little bit of that running game that has been so successful for the Eagles and put a lot on the passing game of Jalen Hurts. I think that could end up being trouble and, to me, the difference in the game. Uh, I noticed as we're having this conversation, by the way, I'm with you. I think Kansas City is a better team than Philadelphia. It's not that I'm a fan. It's just, uh, I think, recognizing uh, the data points. Um, I, I have noticed that in all of this uh, over the last few weeks that the Indianapolis Colts still don't have a coach. And I was told by uh, Jim Ursay, while not personally, earlier this week that it'll be a matter of days and not hours. Yes. Uh, so when he says days, uh, he, he he's talking about weeks, right? We're not going to know this thing till probably June. True or false? <laughs> This is same for We may by the time fourth, we're letting off fireworks in the backyard at your palatial estate at one of your fantastic bourbon parties, right? Coming up in July, right. July Fourth weekend, whatever. I think we'll I know throw that. many a I throw many a wonderful <laughs> uh, bourbon party at one of my palatial estates. That's true. Continue, JMV. Yeah, so I think we'll find out. No, honestly, we'll be talking about that. You'll, you'll call me and say, "Hey, can we talk about the new head coach?" Uh, sometime here next week, maybe Monday, honestly, maybe Monday. And, and again, you can look at it a couple of different ways here because nobody really knows. I think I've told you the only rumor that I had heard, uh, and again, I'll specify this is a rumor that Jeff Saturday has known for the better part of the week that he's not going to be a part of it and he's not going to be the next head coach. But it would stand reason that the Colts haven't told anybody because if they had told somebody, for example, hey, um, you know, Eric Bieniemy or whomever, you're not going to Wink Martindale, you're not going to be the next head coach, that that probably would get out. So they're sitting on this, and logically speaking, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, maybe you're just sitting back and waiting for him, and you're not telling anybody whatsoever because you don't want it to leak out. Now, again, the NFL never likes news coming out, uh, news cycle-wise football, during the week leading up to the Super Bowl. But you, you and I both know nobody nationally is really going to care about this. We're going to care about it. We'll talk about it around here. But nobody nationally is going to be a little to, to more of a ripple, and that's basically it. But, yeah, certainly by this next week, but probably by Monday or Tuesday of next week, we're going to find out that the next head coach of the Colts is going to be finally announced. And it could very well be Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. We're going to see in the Super Bowl for the Eagles. My thanks to JMV, 93.5107.5, the fan. That name that he, he's given out there is Shane Steichen, S-T-E-I-C-H-E-N. That's who he's talking about from the Philadelphia Eagles, their offensive coordinator. He was a quality control coach under Frank Reich in San Diego and then spent... Um, a lot of his career, of course, with former Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni. Which only goes to show that the Colts does produce good coaches. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, we were a little too early in pulling the trigger on Frank Reich, who landed the job as the head coach 
of the Carolina Panthers, which, of course, made people say the Carolina Panthers are racist. Yeah, they, they didn't hire a black coach, so therefore they're racist. Pretty awful, terrible thing to say about somebody, but neither here nor there. I don't know if I agree with JMV that we're going to have a coach figured out and decided by, by Monday or Tuesday. I don't know. Uh, as, as far as I know, they could be announcing a coach right now. Um, although, you, you got to admit, even, even if they did, you announce a coach the same weekend as uh, the big game? That's messed up. That's, that's messed up. Like, that's like burying the lead, not giving the guy any time because even his local press won't be paying that much attention because they're, they're, they're split up. They're focused. Bunch of people going out to cover the, the big game. See, I almost said it. And I never understood this. Indianapolis is not in this game. It's Philadelphia and it's Kansas City. I'm putting my money on Kansas City. If I'm putting my money, I'm putting my money on Kansas City. That's where I'm putting my money. Um, Why? Would local Indianapolis news send people out to cover it? Now, maybe I just don't understand the math. Maybe I don't understand the there, there's a there's a rationale. You got to be where where the thing is, Tony. This is where the big event is. You got to have your guys at the big event because that's how you know you're on top of it, and your audience knows you're on top of it. I could say, oh, okay, so it's marketing. For for marketing, you go sure, all right. Totally get it. Because it, it, when I first saw this happening from, from from local affiliates, I'm like, I don't, what? You're not in it. Who's talking to you? But no, it's about, you know, I just answered my own question right there. It's about being there, being in the thick of it. It's happening. It's happening on this station. And we're on top of it. And here's this guy. And here's that guy. And look at me. I caught a pass. And I'm on the field. And that's what you do. That's what you do. That's, yeah, it's your station. That's what, I got to assume it's for the people that's on their station. You mean people from other stations also go to cover? Nah. Because then I'd be even, then, then my confusion would be proper. Not more confused. My confusion would be proper and accurate. I'm, I am saying Chiefs, and I'm saying we don't know a Colts coach uh, for another week. That's what I'm going with. I could be told, I don't even know where I am on the Colts coach thing. I don't. No, that was interesting. Uh, JMV's commentary about Jeff Saturday, knowing he doesn't have the gig. I don't know who's going to have the gig, but I, I do know this. Uh, you didn't get rid of Chris Ballard. He kept the GM. And Jim Irsay has to live with his emotional decisions. So is this decision made out of emotion in terms of exhaustion? Because Ballard's provided him all these uh, choices and maybe he's thinking that Ballard is the problem anyway. Or is this a decision made on logic and reasoning and you're going to give the coach some time to survive? That's a good question. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So I absolutely love this story that Joe Manchin is angry with the White House over the implementation of the Inflation Reduction Act. 
This story is so great because Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, the senator, knew he was being lied to. He knew it was a lie when they called it the Inflation Reduction Act. He knew it was a climate bill from beginning to end. It wasn't going to do anything to reduce inflation. It was just going to put more money into the system, and you can't reduce inflation if you're putting more money into the system. Tony Katz, guys, what's going on? Good to be with you. He knew it. He knew it, but he kept stonewalling. He kept saying, I can't vote for this. We can't have uh, this this plan. We can't do these things that Biden wants to do. We're not going to spend trillions of dollars. We're not even going to spend billions of dollars. And then and then they changed the rule, and they, or they changed the wording, Inflation Reduction Act. He's like, okay, I'm in. Sounds great. Of course he got hosed. Every Democrat has admitted that this was a climate bill. And now the reporting is he's raising hell on Capitol Hill, calling the Biden administration perspective BS, saying it directly, though, accusing them of seeking to starve Americans out of energy, and that he wants to introduce a bill that will halt the credits until the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, implements strict requirements for electric vehicle battery sourcing. He wants to boost U.S. manufactured vehicles rather than those made overseas. That's not what the environmentalist is interested in. They're interested in not having cars. But what about reducing inflation? I thought that mattered to you. Clearly not. He's angry. Let him be angry. Government spending too much, using the tax credits the wrong way. You allowed this to happen. You didn't have to do this, Joe Manchin. You allowed this to happen. You knew it was all nonsense. Now you're going to act like somehow it's a problem? I'm sorry. I'm not buying into that pity party. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.